Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Sell with the Short-Term Shop. Are you looking to sell your short-term rental? or even 1031 into a different property? Our team of realtors will work hard to get you the most for your investment. We are experts in our field and would love to earn your business. When it's time to sell, call the shop, theshorttermshop.com. That's theshorttermshop.com. Brokered by eXp. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of The Short-Term Show. I have a really, really exciting guest today. Uh, Very heavy hitter in the industry. I have Paul Waldschmidt, the CEO and co-founder of OwnerRes. So I know a lot of you guys out there are OwnerRes users, or maybe you've at least heard of it if you're not an OwnerRes user. So I have the man here to answer all of our questions about OwnerRes. How's it going, Paul? Thanks for coming on. Really, really good. And it's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. yeah. So for those who may not be familiar, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about OwnerRes? Yeah. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of OwnerRes. And um, we go back a ways. I think we're viewed kind of as new to the industry by some people, or at least some of the the larger PMs and and groups out there that have been around pre-Verbo days. But uh, we've been around uh, for smaller hosts, smaller operators. Um, or what we like to call starter PMs uh, since 2009, 2010. So pre-Airbnb, back when Verbo was um, even pre-HomeAway uh, during those days. So uh, we've been around and, and didn't really create a lot of traction uh, for a while. And then uh, we kind of started blowing up in about 2017, 2018. Um, and we still skew mostly toward the smaller side of the market. Um, so we have kind of a long tail a lot of our hosts and, and operators and starter PMs really still make up a lot of who we are. Uh, that's where the name comes from, also owner res. So instead of uh, focusing on the PM uh, side of the market, we kind of focused on the homeowner side of the market, uh, kind of in keeping with kind of what Airbnb also foresaw back in the day. Um, so yeah, and then since that time, we've expanded quite a bit and uh, we have a lot more medium, larger uh, PMs as well. But uh, we are a, a PMS product channel manager, and uh, we have seven or eight verticals that cover kind of the the, the normal things that you need when you're uh, managing uh, short-term rentals. All right. So what made you guys decide to start this company back then? Like, there's been a lot of companies to jump on board here in the past three or four years, but you guys were, I think, uh, to kind of to the opposite of the point you made earlier, one of the earlier ones in terms of uh, what the market is like now with with Airbnb and lots and lots and lots of self managers. So, uh, what what was the vision there back then? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's not unlike uh, some other stories. Uh, we, uh, Chris and I, Chris is a, my co founder and he's the CTO. Um, so we had our own uh, rental portfolio back in the day, and again, this is back uh, years before. Uh, Airbnb was was known about or what was ever started. Um, you know, Verbo, you had kind of the classified listing type thing. And so we 
we wanted to invest. And so we had a small, small portfolio and we turned it over to a, to a local PM. Um, we thought, you know, we could do a better job than the PM after we saw the results. Uh, kind of wanted a, a little bit more personal experience. Um, so we created that. And then being software engineers, we thought, well, we could manage this better. And our vision was kind of what you see with channel management today. We knew that um, we didn't have that term for it, but we knew that sites like Airbnb and Verbo were going to start exploding. And um, the way that you, you know, really tackle that is by, you know, kind of being able to distribute out to the Expedias and the travel websites of the world. So we started doing that in little ways, just kind of for ourselves. And for a long time that it was good enough, just kind of managing and using our own kind of hacked together, thrown together software solution. Um, we had our own credit card processing and we did, we actually did quite a bit of work, mostly for ourselves and our friends. Um, and then, um, you know, kind of one thing led to another and then Airbnb came along and we started seeing just how much the industry was exploding. Um, and that's when we decided to really kind of fund it and get behind it and, and use, um, instead of making this just something that helped our own rentals kind of make this, the, this, the priority, make this the business. Um, and so we, we've, and we've tried to really kind of keep the same approach that we had back in the beginning, which was to, you know, empower our users the way we would empower ourselves. Um, so there's a term in the software industry called dog fooding it basically means, um, you know, in software, you should eat your own dog food. You should know whether it's good. You should experience it every day. Um, so we kind of take that dog fooding approach and we've just continued it as we've gotten bigger. It's, it is a really cool story. And I do think it, like an early adopter level, because like I said, a lot of people have jumped on in the past four or five years. So in terms of the the few bigger property management software companies, a lot of them have a very clear like strength, one thing that they do really, really well. So you guys, I think kind of, in my opinion, have two, and maybe you can fill in some gaps here for me in the fact that Anything you could possibly ever want to do with the short-term rental listing, like you guys do. A lot of the questions that I see when people are like, hey, what property management software does this? Owner res is almost always mentioned as being able to do things. But the other big one that I think is really important that, again, has really just gotten more important to users in the past probably two years is direct booking. So can you tell us a little bit about the direct booking functionality? Yeah, and um, thank you for that. It's it's sometimes I get questions like it's hard to know what area to talk about because we do have seven or eight what we call verticals internally. For instance, channel management is a vertical. Hosted website, WordPress type stuff for direct bookings is another vertical. So we have like eight of these verticals, um, and we try and invest and cover all of them without having you know a lot of sprawl and scope creep in the in the in the product. Um, so we do. I think a number of them really, really well. I think channel management, I think speed is an area we do really, really well, generally across the system or logging and how uh, how we look at the product from an engineering standpoint. Um, and you know that really plays into the, the direct booking website side for sure. Um, I think one of the one of the complaints that people have with their website, if it was built by a local website designer, or if it was built by you know another uh, PMS product out there that added websites is that they're kind of stapled on and they might have kind of a glossy look, but they don't perform very well. Uh, they're not designed for um, you know the, the fundamental things websites need to do well, no matter what industry you're in, things like SEO, um, you know, being able to 
be fast, that would be a good experience for, for users. So we kind of focused and concentrated on that and uh, allowing people to spin up a site that, um, you know, while it does rely on kind of a templated look and feel uh, because it is designed to serve thousands of people, um, giving them options to customize it, but continuing to be fast, be secure, SSL, SEO, have all the things that good websites should have. Um, and so, and that's that's taken a lot of work because, you know, being a website builder is is kind of its own game. It's its own whole thing. Um, but, you know, I think the experience of what people can do, what our users can do with those websites is, is really paid off. And now we have thousands and thousands of them for, for our users. We have thousands of our users, I should say, that are they're using them. Um, so, and, 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 you know, speaking to the book direct side of that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You get people who go, well, I don't really, I, I, my calendar does really well on Airbnb or with Verbo or whatever I'm, you know, whatever their primary channel or, or, or traffic creator has been previous to a website. So do I really need to maintain it? And what we found is it's once people set that up and really pursue creating a brand, uh, logo, their name, their, you know, all the little aspects of it, their color palette, you know, what, what they're, how they're going to look and feel when someone transitions from Airbnb over to being managed by them is that they, they really see the value in that and then really want to hang on to that into the future. You know, even if they get 10 Airbnb bookings for every one direct booking or maybe more 20 or 30 Airbnb bookings for every one direct, the ability to have kind of a home area, home camp for their brand. And say, hey, I'm not just so and so who's a super host on Airbnb, but I am Acme Beach Vacation Rentals with a logo, and here's my team and everything. Uh, it kind of empowers them, I think. I think it kind of fuels and drives their business, even if they don't upfront get you know a lot of uh, direct bookings right away. Yeah, and I think it it is really important. And I've been in that camp before of like, eh, I'm just going to roll with Airbnb and Verbo. It's doing fine for me right now. But I do think like, yeah, you're probably not ever going to compete SEO wise with the big OTAs, but that's not the point of having a direct booking website. That branding is very important. Um, and even just the ability, even if you are getting one direct booking for every 10, 20, 30 Airbnb bookings, that can help fill in the calendar, you know, just 10 booking, let's say you got 10 direct bookings a year, that can really help fill some things in. So, and you are a little more in control of that than like with last year, at the beginning of the year, spring-ish when Airbnb made all these changes to their algorithms and everybody's like, oh my God, I'm not getting bookings anymore. And you can't really fully control that, but having a basis of at least some direct bookings can really help to offset things like that that are outside of our control with the big OTAs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's it really is the polish, the control. You get people coming back uh, to you as well uh, when they start to to see that you're your own shop and you can they can book directly with you. So and and it, it's it's easy to set up, right? So it's not like it's this great cumbersome thing to create a logo and kind of think about what makes you unique to your area. Um, I think people want to connect to a lot of a lot of the vacation rental market. Kind of naturally wants to connect. Um, so maybe it's just our experience. We have a lot of, like I said, smaller operators, starter PMs, mom and pops, but, um, you know, the net booking value of those groups and the, and the, um, the, the repeat ratio for those groups, I think is very, very high. Uh, so definitely get your website, get your brand going and, 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 you know, 
take take a couple of steps and you know you don't have to rush into it like crazy and think that it's going to replace Airbnb, but definitely you know get it up and going at the same time. I totally agree with that. And do you have any other best practices as somebody who's kind of up here high level looking at what a lot of people's direct booking websites look like and perform like? Are there any best practices across types of short-term rental managers or markets or anything like that that you can share? Uh, to, there's a number, I mean, in the, in the website area, um, you know, generate content, but don't, but understand that it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, you know, there's the old, uh, the old school blog side of it where, you know, we were talking about things and I think people rush into that from the standpoint of, you know, I'm going to go do a blog, I'm gonna do content, I'm gonna do social media. And then, um, you know, that's gonna, that should do this big thing. And if it doesn't do this big thing for me, and then I get tired of it and I move on. Um, but it's really a marathon. It's really a long haul, long roadmap that you're, that you're doing there. So, you know, um, you know, set a reminder for yourself every week or month, um, to look for content in your area, things that are unique, not copy paste from other places, but things that are unique that, you know, there's a, you know, the triathlon that goes through your, your mountain or your town. There's a, a special uh, thing on the beach near you. Find those things. Talk to local people. Just tuck them away. It doesn't need to be a lot. But as you start to do that over time, your SEO starts to go up. People start to follow you. You start to get, uh, you know, a little bit more. You start to get 10% more, 15% more. And over time, you start to really grow your business. And, and whatever your goal is, whether it's just um, increasing occupancy or whether you're trying to build to a point where you're, you're going to sell to a larger operator in your area. Um, everyone has different goals. So whatever it is, you know, you, you kind of work on the business itself over time. Um, and, and one of those is look for ways where you can connect with local people in your area and generate small amounts of content as you go. Um, it seems like kind of a small, obvious thing, but, um, it, it really, the mindset is, is where it's at, you know, that you're, it's not, you're not doing something all right now that's going to work and, and replace Airbnb or create some big giant spike in the business. It's that you're, you know, kind of slowly building a lot of different aspects of the business as you go. And then all of a sudden you look back after a year or two and it's like, wow, you know, I'm getting 30, 40% direct bookings maybe where I was getting none. Um, you know, I, I do have a connection with people in my area. Uh, you know, there's, you know, I've, I've met new cleaning staff. I've, you know, been able to kind of increase my business or find new owners if I want to, if I'm managing for others. Um, and, you know, you really start to get gains in a lot of places where you didn't realize you were going to. And I think that's almost a really good strategy just or mindset for real estate investing as a whole, whether it's short-term rentals, long-term rentals, multifamily, is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so the same way that I think people think, oh, if I just generate a bunch of content about my house really quick, that I'm going to get all these crazy bookings. They think the same thing and due in large part to influencers or people who don't necessarily need to be influencing, but are, uh, they think, oh, well, I'm going to go buy two short-term rentals and slap them up on Airbnb and quit my job. And I'm going to be rich and I'm going to live the rest of my life without having to work. And right. everything <laughs> worth doing is a marathon. So I, I think that's a really, really good piece of advice also. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think maybe you're right too about the influence, uh, the influencer, uh, um, what that's done to change people's perspectives. And if you can get to that level, uh, that where you can flip a switch and say something and it drives tons and tons of traffic. That's great. But that's, that's, as we know, that's, that's uh, pretty rare as well. Yeah. That's not real life in most cases. Right. 
So let's let's talk about integrations really quick because there's a lot of choice out there in terms of other ancillary apps and tools that you can use to plug into your property management software. So what would you say are the most important in integrations that Odores has the capabilities for? Yeah, kind of it's kind of different for each each person. I mean, the 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 kind of the default one obviously for everyone are, are channel integrations. I mean, that's kind of, you know, long time ago we turned off channel management from our pricing system or I should say we took uh channel management out of our pricing system and made it default for everyone. There's no percent of revenue, there's nothing. It's just built in. It, you know, as soon as you land on our system, you have direct wide open access to Verbo booking, air trip, you know, all the all the major channels. Um, so leaving that one aside, because obviously we need traffic and most everyone needs traffic, uh, from the channels, it kind of depends on what you're doing. Um, you know, if you have a good pricing structure already in mind, because you've been operating for 10 or 15, 20 years, then maybe you don't need pricing dynamic pricing. Um, but the pricing engines are, are pretty good and there's some real cost effective ones out there. Some of them are not so cost effective, but um, you know, pricing is an area where you you need to make sure you're getting that right. You know, when people pull up Airbnb, Verbo, uh, they use an average of seven filters. The average uh, guest traveler when they're going on these OTAs. Um, that's what we're told by our OTA partners. So obviously, there's some major ones like arrival date, departure date, right, and and guest size. I, I need to know when I'm going and how many people are going and that kind of thing. But you know, pricing is right there, you know, whether or not they filter for pricing or whether or not they just look and see which ones are cheapest, looking at the results, um, you know, having your pricing game down is huge. Uh, and it's and it's not one thing, you know, obviously you can go look at the webinars with, that we've done with some of our pricing partners like Price Labs and Wheelhouse recently and um, the others, but it it just, it has to change. It, your pricing has to to know what's coming up and, short-term, long-term, um, you know, all the aspects that they do. Uh, and again, you can use some built-in tools. Like we have quite a bit of, of, of we have some pricing options that, that we have built in, but that requires that you really know your market well, that you're adjusting constantly, not just like, you know, last minute uh, price drops, but other things going on for holidays and whatnot. So pricing kind of stands out because if you don't get your pricing right, you're either not going to get booked or you're going to leave a lot of money on the table. Um, so that's a big one. Um, I think fulfillment, actually, cleaning, uh, cleaning fulfillment and you know maintenance is one that has stood out more and more over the years. Um, you know, your reputation is everything, of course, right? Getting good reviews and leaving good reviews is 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 giant. Um, you should be using tools. We have this built in, so but it's kind of an integration with with like Airbnb and Verbo to auto review. Uh, used it using different templates so that you're driving your guests to say something back to leave a review of their own. Um, that's a pretty big thing. I've seen where our users have gone from uh, dropping below Superhost because they had a 4.7, 4.6. They weren't getting enough five stars. People were leaving. They'd get one or two five stars, but then someone would leave a three or two and it would screw up the ratio to so using auto reviews to bring themselves back to a Superhost because auto reviews say, if a booking's not flagged or a guest isn't flagged as being negative, auto review will automatically a few days after departure use a template to say, great guest, would book again, great job. And then of course the channel reaches out to the guest and says, hey, a host left a review for you. Would you like to review so that you can see what they said? So it kind of drives 
that kind of feedback. And we've seen where, where that type of tool has actually brought some good hosts who had dropped below Superhost um, or Premier, things called Premier Partner on Verbo back above that level because they have a lot more people leaving, leaving fives. Um, that's not necessarily integration, but it's a good tool to use. The reviews and as you work on your reputation, as I was saying a second ago, the cleaning obviously is a very important part of that. And it depends on your market. It depends on your team, what you have configured already. But we've seen where some of the cleaning tools have helped quite a bit too. Uh, creating checklists, uh, creating expectations uh, so that your housekeepers who you know are all good people and have good intentions, but they know kind of what you expect. Uh, and maybe there's something there to nudge them to do something in the tool uh, that they weren't doing before, like take a picture of the hot tub and just, you know, make sure that things are set a certain way. So, you know, we can go on and on, but those are kind of the ones that stand out in my mind uh, around pricing, around reputation, um, that you really got to get those right, or there can be long-term consequences. Hey guys, hope you are enjoying this week's episode of The Short Term Show. We are loving it. We are loving interviewing all these guests for you guys. And we hope you're getting a lot of value out of it. And we just, we really love you guys. We love you so much that we have created a community just for you. We have a Facebook group specifically for short-term rental investors. And there are tons of great posts every day, sharing best practices, learning new things from other short-term rental investors. And we would love to see you over there. The name of the group is the same name as my book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Head over and join the conversation. We look forward to seeing you over there. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the content of our podcast, but you have additional short-term rental questions, we host a weekly live question session that you guys can join for free. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. And if you head over to strquestions.com, you can sign up. So not only am I the host of this show, but I also own and manage my own properties. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have about short-term rental investing. So please join us anytime for a free weekly live Q&A on Zoom. Sign up at strquestions.com. Pricing, 100%. And I remember when we, at the beginning in 2015, 16, we were manually pricing in our market. And um, when it kind of became more mainstream to use pricing tools, we were like, mm, I don't know about this. I guess I'll try it. And we tried Price Labs and our income went up 20% because there's just so many things that you kind of can't know without that help. So dynamic pricing is just so important, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The other one I think maybe is messaging. I I, I mean, there's so many good ones, but like messaging integrations, um, we have a lot of messaging tools built in. So you can use messaging integrations to do a little bit more. You can use the, whatever software you're using. You can use the tools that are built in. But, you know, communication is a big thing. I think all of this is, you know, leading back to reputation and reviews. Um, but, you know, being transparent, being, you know, communicating well, um, you know, the, the, the modern traveler really expects so much. And uh, so having tools that kind of fill that stuff in and personalize things for you, I mean, it's it's huge, right? I mean, if you're if you're not doing it now, you should be. And if you are doing it, double check, you know, double check what you're what needs to be kind of freshened up and changed a little bit. Yeah, totally agree with that. And we kind of take the approach of and making sure all questions that they could possibly think of asking are answered before they can even ask them. And I mean, along the lines of 
communication and messaging kind of leads into my next question, which is about AI. So what do you think the future of vacation rentals looks like with AI? I know it's kind of being integrated with messaging at the moment, but what do you think that looks like going even further moving forward? Yeah, so I remember probably, gosh, I'm trying to think now. Well, this is back in like 2013 or 14, so maybe 10 years, 10 years ago. I talked about the the rental portfolio that um, we started before that led to the software, and then the software became more important. So that that rental portfolio is still around um, and and still very much alive and thriving. Uh, it's a small company called Shenrent. My wife actually manages it, and there's about 35 properties, maybe more, maybe 37, 38. Um, and so one of the things we wanted to do a long time ago, back when it was at like 10, 12, is find a virtual receptionist, right? Find someone who could answer the phone after hours or on the weekends just to help answer questions. And we and we tried um, one of the vendors that was out there and they, you know, you had your own phone number and they picked up the phone, but they didn't really help that much. Right? I mean, it was more, mostly like taking messages and then they relay messages to us. So, you know, that, that wasn't, and, and we, that, that company ended up, you know, getting larger and just hiring front desk and hiring maintenance and that kind of thing. Um, so I think AI has the potential among other things, I think it has the potential to do the virtual receptionist thing really, really well. Um, because obviously we, you're talking about messaging, so it could write, you know, GPT could write a message back. It could learn and train from your website, from your information, what your policies are and um, what the Wi-Fi code is and all that kind of stuff. But it could also, I think, be a lot more dynamic and it could um, let people know availability, pricing. It could learn quite possibly um, when and how you negotiate discounts. Um, it could see what you do in terms of repeat guests. It could relay all that information, obviously from the standpoint that this is a virtual response system and you know it would have to get approval. But I think it could alleviate, particularly in the small side of the market, the start, the the starter PMs, the homeowners, single operators. It could really help share information in a human, you know, uh, human readable or speakable way, um, either during the day when those operators are doing something else, or in the night, weekend time, holiday periods when people are gone. And I think it could do it pretty. You know, we've seen the what GPT has done lately and how good it's been, and how good it's gotten. Um, I think you could really start to see kind of your that take over a little bit of the uh, the staff role. Um, so, you know, I know at the moment it's kind of like, well, we've all interacted with like, you know, Amazon's virtual chat system. Right. Um, and it it can answer certain questions like, yes, I need to do a return. So I start a return. And that only goes so far, but I think as it builds over time, you're going to see it get real pretty good, maybe to the point of even taking bookings and changing bookings, things like that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Just kind of taking over the the stuff that you can, basically the stuff that you can teach to VAs right now with just your standard operating procedures, if it can learn that, it can definitely fill in some gaps for you on off times for sure. Right. Um, another Another hot topic that could be, could be major or it could be absolutely nothing is what do you think about the Google vacation rental idea? Or I guess it's not an idea anymore. It's it's happening, but I, I could go either way on it. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. 
Well, I don't know how long we have in this uh, this segment here, but you can go uh, as long as you want. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably go until Friday. Um, we've been involved in integrating with Google VR since January of this year. It is currently almost September. Um, we've had a full time and a half person working on it since then, engineer plus part of product team and testing QA. So um, the concern, you know, speaking just very frankly here is that Google starts a lot of good ideas and then dumps them. So this has been the case for a long time. They come out with really cool stuff. People see it, go, wow, this is really cool. And it's at their scale. Imagine what this could do. I remember Google Voice back in the day. And they haven't dumped Google Voice. It kind of morphed into other things. But whether they will fund it and push it, whether it will stick around as part of their travel system or what they call hotel center under the covers, um, it very much remains to be seen. And for people like us who invest in this and actually do hands-on, um, you know, risk deep, you know, engineering, um, you know, we're 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 very uh, dialed into it, and we're very curious. And you know, we they, there is a team there that we talk to. Um, there are, you know, real people on that side that are working with us to integrate it, but, you know, that's the problem with Google VR in a nutshell is what is their real long-term plan? Is someone on that side really going to push it? Google, if you look back, you know, 20 years, 30 years, things don't interest them unless they are in the billions, right? So, you know, Gmail, Google Maps, all the products they've stuck by are, you know, things that you know, billions of people use. So small SaaS company like ours, if we have a million users, that's phenomenal. If we have 10,000, that's really even good. Uh, Google doesn't tend to care about things unless they are hundreds of millions or billions of people using them. So unless it's like world changing. So the concern with, again, the Google travel system is, is it something that is moving the needle enough for Google that they're going to keep it around? Um, because you're going to do work in your properties on there. You're going to do work. Actually, our users won't do that much work because it's all their contents in place. They're going to hit a button, and they are now. We we're in a we're in a private beta. We have, I think, fifty or sixty accounts that are that are plugged in and dialed in, and we're going to be going live probably to everyone in the next. I don't know. I'd say month, maybe month and a half, depending on how the current testing group goes. Um, we have listings out there you can find in Google um, and and click through. So. If they do keep it around, if they do push it, if it does become a prominent thing, it could be huge. Um, it's, you know, there are very few channels that come online that make really any difference when it comes to dethroning the Airbnbs, the Burbos in a particular area, you know, Kissimmee, Gatlinburg, New York, or wherever you're at. It's very hard to punch through unless you have a really good local regional listing site that's been there for like 25 years. So Google has the unique advantage of being so large. And when people are searching for a hotel, seeing, oh, that vacation rental tab and flipping their hotel search to vacation rentals and then seeing the results and then actually clicking through driving direct booking traffic to your website, which is how it works, that could be you know pretty game changing. Um, it's also free, at least at the moment. So... There's no percent or anything. It's you know you it hooks through a, a hotel ad account in the background that we maintain as a PMS and channel manager, but the results flow right to the uh, user's direct booking website. So it's free. Google's the biggest website or online website product 
and service company on the planet. It could be game changing, but will it stick around? Will anyone care in a year or two? Are they going to turn it off? That's 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 where we're at with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things that like Google Lens, I think it was like supposed to be so huge probably 10 years ago. And then I never heard anything else about it. Oh, there's there's hundreds. I mean, there's you could make entire spreadsheets full of products. I mean, they've started and stopped like three or four different social media projects over the years. Um, you know, even the stuff they continued, Google Docs came from previous things like Google Wave. Um, so there are just so many products over the years that they've started and stopped, so many lab things that they've done. And you know, if they keep it, if they keep it going and it stays there and it's very relevant, and as people search over time and get more used to Google travel results, then as they're booking a flight and they're looking at hotels and they see those vacation rentals sitting there right next to them, it has the potential to be really, really big. Um, but you know, it, time will tell, I guess. Yeah, it will. And speaking of time, so we're getting to the end of the show where I've got three questions that I ask everybody who comes on. But first, I wanted to ask you, what are you most excited about that's on the horizon for Onerez? Um, I think probably bringing together the loose pieces or in the software uh, the software world, what we call fragmentation, bringing together those loose pieces in a couple of our verticals. Uh, so we're right on the edge of really seeing some large updates for our PM vertical, uh, what you might think of as trust accounting, things like that. The big overhaul that's been in the works for like a year and a half. Um, just clean up things we've seen. Same thing with unified inbox. A unified inbox um, concept is coming together. There's some design elements that we're overhauling to change how our design looks. Um, so I think, I mean, it's not really like one big new feature, uh, but just that we're working on really kind of finally tying up and overhauling or, or at least releasing kind of a, a single overhaul of a couple of different verticals. I think that we're internally, we're really excited about that. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing that stuff too. All right. So last few questions. First, what advice would you give 20-year-old Paul? Um, figure out pricing early. Uh, I'm not talking about vacational pricing, but product pricing. Gotcha. So no, uh, don't underestimate how much your customers value what you do and price accordingly. So don't, don't look to give things away. Don't look to, um, convert people through it's free or it's cheap or things like that. But you know, focus on where the value is, price accordingly, and then build off of that, which is kind of a general business, you know, uh, general business advice to anyone in business. Great advice. And second question, what advice would you give a new short-term rental investor who's looking to get started today? It's a real wacky time in the real estate cycle, a little bit of a weird time in the short-term rental in general cycle. What would your advice be? I would tell them that you make all of your money up front when you buy. So I think one of the big problems that people have in the short-term industry is they go, well, the Airbnb money, the rental money is good. This house may be overpriced, but it's in a great area. I'm going to maybe overpriced. I'm going to overpay for it, but um, I'll make it up long-term. I've seen more often than not where you don't, uh, where you get into trouble down the road, if the market slows, your market, your mortgage interest rate changes, something happens, you lose interest. It's hard to unload later. Buy low. 
even though you think, well, this is a great opportunity and this place is right on the, the lake and it looks like this, there's more places. Keep looking, buy low because you make your money long-term based largely on what you buy up front. That makes a lot of sense. So like, are you saying buy properties that maybe you can add value to like maybe a big three bedroom that you could add that fourth bedroom to be that income driver, but you're also adding equity to the house? And in both ways. So you could look for a renovation project. You could look for deals uh, where you're you're putting sweat equity into. Those are good. I've had some success with that for sure. But it just in general, don't think that whatever you're buying, even in sometimes the renovation projects are, are worse because you're buying them and you have to renovate it, but you think I'll make the money back later. Um, Keep looking for deals. Keep looking for places where you know someone needs to move quickly. Where you know, you take your time and get know that you're getting a good deal, uh, which is hard with the market the way it is. But um, right now, it's really hard, actually. But you know, five five six years ago, this this advice would have been a little easier. But um, you know, Pete, whether whether it's a turnkey and ready to go, or whether you're, it's going to be a sweat equity project, you know push to get a lower, cheaper, better deal up front. Uh, don't assume that because you have a certain amount of cash flow per month, that that's just going to like cover any mistakes you made buying too high. Um, more often than not, it, it tends not to. If you have a portfolio of four or five and you have one that way, that might be fine because the other ones cover it. Uh, but you really, you know, you know, just um, be selective, be skeptical. Take your time to make sure you're getting a good deal value-wise on the real estate you buy up front. I think that's really good advice. And we're actually kind of coming into a market. We're not quite there yet because right now we have the lowest inventory of, I think, the past maybe 20 years. I think we have even lower inventory for sale than than there was right at the, the 2008 time. So, but I think that's about to change. I, I know we've seen that in our business. We're taking, we've taken more listings in the past two weeks than we have like in the past three or four months. Um, so I think more inventory is coming online, which will give you the ability to be able to do what you just said and really get those deals. And you can do it now because people are starting to sell off that that maybe didn't need to be in the business to begin with, but got in because everybody else was two years ago. So I think we're really coming into a time in the real estate cycle where you can really take that advice and put it to good use. Yeah, you. That's that's just it. You can find it. It. Um, you can also look for examples. Uh, there's an elderly a couple that lives uh, down the road who has a great little spot. They're looking to move. They're they've owned a place. They're willing to do seller financing or owner financing, so you can get um, you know a 10 to 15 year rate that's pretty cheap. So you're gonna you're gonna have a, your cash flow in that, and that way will also be lower. Um, you know, look just look for you know it's it's kind of like everything else in life, right? I mean, take the time and don't don't force your way into the business or the market. Don't think that I need to be Airbnb rich, and so I'm gonna. I just need to buy a bunch of great places up front and I'll find a bank that'll loan me the money and everything else. It it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, look for value. So also great advice. I totally agree with that. And this one is a much easier question. What's your favorite book that's impacted your mindset? Oh, that's actually a hard question. Um <laughs> probably rework by the 37 signals guys. Um okay. very easy read, uh, but it, it talks a lot about 
it's either that or about creating happiness. The Tony, the book by Tony Shea, um, unfortunately passed away. The guy who created Zappo, Zappos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why am I, why does that sound weird? I think it's Zappos. Zappos um, yeah. yeah, but uh, he, that's been very uh, integral too to our business philosophy, Chris and mine, creating happiness. Um, don't get caught up in how much does this customer cost to support? Just create happiness. It's, it's its own reward. It spreads itself so, so well when you do that. Um, but the rework guys too. So I'd have to, I, unfortunately, I know you want one. It'd be one of those two, but rework is really, really good. It's about re- rethinking business, a lot about value, knowing what you, knowing what you really need and what you don't. If you're a bootstrapped owner, meaning you don't have outside investors, uh, like Chris and I, and, uh, you're, you've set it up on your own, talks a lot about how to pursue profitability, how to hire. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of old school, good fundamental principles in both those books. All right. Well, thank you very much for being here. If all of our listeners want to learn more about OwnerRes or maybe follow you or the company on social media, where can they do that? Yep, in all the places. So ownerres.com. Um, and uh we're pretty we're pretty active there. Our blog is very active there in terms of product updates and user profiles. We try and create really meaningful content. So uh we don't just throw stuff up there, but it's 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 very active. Um and then we're very active, of course, on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, so just look up Owner Res. That's owner, like it sounds, and then R-E-Z, Res. And we're, we're in all those places. All right. Well, again, thanks so much, Paul, for taking time out of your day to come on our show. And uh, we hope to have you back soon. Thanks. It, it was It was a lot of fun. I look forward to coming back.